Hey, Drew Dixon from Love Thy Nerd, back with you for another Bible Thump. We're in Mark chapter 12, and I'm going to read, starting in verse 35. So Mark 12, starting in verse 35, while Jesus was teaching in the temple, he asked, how can the scribes say that the Messiah is the son of David? David himself says, by the Holy Spirit, the Lord declared to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord, then how can he be his son? And the large crowd was listening to him with delight. He also said in his teaching, Beware of the scribes who want to go around in long robes, who want greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and say long prayers just for show. These will receive the harsher judgment. Then verse 41, Sitting across from the temple treasury, he watched how the crowd dropped money into the, tre- into the treasury. Many rich people were putting in large sums. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two tiny coins worth very little. Summoning his disciples, Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more in the treasury than all the others. For they all gave out out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. All right, I just want to highlight three things from three sort of seemingly disparate passages in Mark's Gospel that are actually actually really similar, and actually paint um, a really beautiful picture about who Jesus is, and then who we're called to be as people who would who would seek to follow him. So if you have any desire to follow Jesus, we want to understand a bit about who he is, his character. That's the whole reason I wanted to, to jump into Mark's gospel, because I think one of the most valuable things we can do as followers of Jesus is like really think about who he is. Who is Jesus? Who is this God in human flesh that came to dwell among us and what makes him unique? And then once we understand that, we'll have a better understanding of, of, of who we're called to be. Because you see, Jesus is the one true human being. He's the one human being who got being human right. Everybody in the history of the universe has failed at being the true, a true representation of who we were intended to be as human beings, our design, our purpose, except for Jesus Christ, who is the perfect demonstration of humanity at its at its greatest, humanity at its purest, humanity at its most genuine and sincere, um, humanity living out um, its full potential, without hindrance, without hypocrisy. Um, everybody, save for Jesus, really, in the history of the universe, has been a hypocrite on some level. Jesus is the one person who lived consistently, um, who gave himself consistently, loved people consistently. All right, so this first, this first uh, story is this question about who Jesus is, right? And Jesus brings this up. He says, how, you know, how can the scribes say that the Messiah is the son of David when David himself says this? By the Holy Spirit, he says, the Lord declared to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. So Jesus says, David himself calls the Messiah Lord, then how can he be the son of David. Now, Jesus embraced this idea of being the son of David, and it was a common knowledge that the Messiah, this coming promised one who would save Israel, rescue Israel from its enemies, and establish the kingdom of God, would be a descendant from the line of David. The Davidic kingdom was a big deal in the mind of Jews in Jesus' day. They really believed that that for Israel to get back on track, for it to be out from under the thumb of Rome, for it to live free, and it's to live at its it is at its fullest extent, and for Israel to really flourish, it had to have a king from the line of David on the throne again. And so Jesus um, here is playing off this common knowledge, and 
even commented that he's embraced me up to this point. He's taken moments in his in his earthly ministry to say, "Yeah, I am the son of David," um, and he was from David's line. Um, but uh, but here, Jesus. I think the lesson that we get here is that Jesus doesn't always spell things out for people. Um, I like how Jesus operates because he wants his followers to draw their own, though maybe obvious, but to draw their own conclusions and figure things out. So he doesn't say, hey guys, I'm the Messiah. Hey, I'm more than just a son of David. I am the Messiah and I'm I'm bigger, I'm more important than David. I, I have an eternal uh, nature, right? I am God in human flesh. He's not spelling that out for them. He's, giving, he's challenging them to think for themselves, and to come to the conclusion that Jesus is more than the son of David. Not less, right, but more. Um, I like that because it's kind of like, uh, we're all nerds here, right? It's kind of like playing a game, like a board game or something, um, or, or, or like a video game, say like a puzzle video game. Um, it's far less satisfying, isn't it, to have someone tell you exactly how to figure out a puzzle how to solve a puzzle in a, in a puzzle video game. Um, when you're playing a puzzle video game and you think you've almost got it, but you're not sure and you're trying to, you're trying to figure out all the angles and figure out how to, to, to fix and to, to solve this puzzle, if someone then steps in and says, oh, just put that there, uh, that's really annoying, isn't it? Because it takes all the joy, all the satisfaction out of that puzzle. Um, and I think that's how Jesus is operating here. He's letting his followers make the conclusion that it's obvious to him, but maybe wasn't obvious to everyone. Certainly wasn't obvious to the scribes who denied that Jesus was anything more, uh, or was the Messiah, right? But not only that, denied that he could be anything more than that too, right? Uh, that he could be the Son of God, that he could be eternal, that he could be the one means by which we might have a relationship with God. Um, and so, yeah, I love that Jesus wants us to draw our own conclusions. Um, and, and not just like our own conclusions, that's the wrong way to put it, but he wants us to figure it out. He wants to lead us in such a way that helps us to, boom, make those connections. And he does that out of love because he cares for us and he wants us to have like a genuine, sincere relationship with him. Um, so this is a passage about sincerity, I think. And that brings us into the second point about this warning against the scribes. He says in this teaching, beware the scribes because they go around in long robes and they want fancy greetings in the marketplace and they want the best seats at the synagogues and places of honor at banquets and they devour widows' houses and they say long prayers, right? Uh, just for show. So um, this warning against the scribes, and maybe not all scribes, but certainly scribes who operated this way, um, Jesus is saying something about who he is here too. He's saying, I'm opposed to show to doing things just for show. I'm opposed to hypocrisy. Um, doing things uh, that go against your motives, right? Hypocrisy is when we, we say one thing and we do another. When we put on a show, but inwardly, like we're broken and bitter and, and angry. Um, they also apparently exploited the needy. He talks about how they, they, um, they devour widows' houses. So it seems to be that there, was, there were some scribes anyway that were taking advantage of vulnerable people groups like widows. Um, I think it speaks to, this passage also speaks to Jesus being opposed to our obsession with status and our obsession with influence, right? The scribes would pray fancy prayers to be seen by others. They would take the best places at banquets. Um, they would 
expect people to greet them with fancy greetings in the marketplaces, um, which demonstrates they're obsessed with how other people view them and how other people see them. Um, Jesus wants us to be genuine, to be who we are, to let people see who we really are, um, and to not worry about wh whether we're the most influential uh, person or that have the best status or have the most followers on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Um, isn't that freeing to know that Jesus wants you to be you? Isn't it also freeing to know that um, a lot of these things that we spend so much time worrying about and banging our head against the wall about, of like trying to get ahead in this life, are not really high on the King of Kings uh, list of priorities. So yeah, I think this passage calls us to maybe rethink our priorities a little bit, to rethink what we really think is important. The life the Messiah calls us to is one of humility and service, and, and, and it's one of vulnerability and being genuine, right? Lifting up others above ourselves. All right, last passage, this passage about the widow's gift. This maybe is the most obvious of them, um, but the widow's gift in this passage, we see an example, I believe, of kingdom living. This is what life in the kingdom of God, according to Jesus, should look like. This is what Jesus values. Um, again, right, he doesn't value show. Um, there's other accounts of this story where, and, and some of the other gospels where there are scribes, uh, there, there are religious leaders in the synagogue giving extravagant sums and sort of like bragging about it, like doing it in a way that they want people to see. This widow doesn't blow a trumpet, doesn't announce her gift. She just goes and gives two small coins, and it's such a small, insignificant gift. This is not the kind of gift that like um, gets your church if your church is struggling financially, it's not the one that gets your church through. It's not the one that puts the final, um, you know, that gets the building project started at your church. Um, this is a nothing gift. This is, like, so insignificant, right? But Jesus says, this is actually the most beautiful gift that's been given. Um, he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. Why? Because she gave out of poverty she put in everything that she had. This isn't a passage that necessarily tells us that we need to go and sell everything that we have so that we can follow Jesus, but it is a passage that challenges us, I think, to, to think about what our investment in the kingdom of God looks like. How are we invested in the kingdom? How are we living for Jesus and for his glory? Um, what does that look like? Um, are we... Our, do our do our priorities need to be reevaluated and changed? Um, I pray that you would think about that. I hope that you'll think about that. And I have a lot to think about with this as well. Um, but I want my priorities to be more like Jesus. I want to be genuine. I want to. Um, I, I want to be closer to Jesus. Don't you? Uh, it's almost Thanksgiving. I'm excited about that. I hope you are too. I hope you eat a lot and see a lot of family and have a good time. And, uh, and, and as you do, I hope you'll think about um, what does it look like to be the love of Jesus in my relationships with my friends and family this holiday season. And then, uh, you know, as you think about that, how might God use you in those spaces? Whatever you do, wherever you go this holiday season, please remember this. Jesus loves you, nerd. <laughs>